This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With, oh, before I um, introduce Rabbi Yudin, I noticed that there is a, uh, a specific announcement that came out from his synagogue, Congregation Shomri Torah in uh, Fairlawn, New Jersey. And I'll take a minute just to give that information to you uh, here at JM in the AM. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Adar will be Thursday and Friday. And um, believe it or not, the Dalid Parshios, the four special Parshios of this time of year, starts already tomorrow. I couldn't believe it when I realized that yesterday. <laughs> so it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Mishpatim and Erev Shabbos Shkolem. Candle lighting at 5.06 on this Erev Shabbos. So on Monday, February the 16th, this coming Monday, uh, President's Day, Rabbi Mordechai Willig at 8 o'clock Monday evening will speak for men and women on the topic of what I do versus what I am, job, family, community, Torah, and mitzvot, what defines me. Uh, at 8.45 p.m., Rabbi Dr. Abraham J. Twersky on Middle Age and Beyond, coming closer to Hashem as we get older and wiser. It's all happening at Shomri Torah, Morlot Avenue in Fairlawn, New Jersey, of course, both. This coming Monday night. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Mishpatim. Parshas Mishpatim, according to the Chinuch, is an exceedingly rich parsha, containing 23 positive mitzvos and 30 restrictions. Among these mitzvos, we have the basis of Seder Nezikin, most of the laws of Bava Kama, Bava Metzia, Bava Basra, the laws governing man's Interaction with his fellow man in terms of damages, torts, etc. And much of Seder Noshim is also found in this week's Parsha. In addition, tomorrow, this Shabbos, is the first of the four Parshios. Hard to believe it, but we are really moving and the Shabbos before Rosh Chodesh Ador, which is this Shabbos. Rosh Chodesh Ador, believe it or not, is next Thursday and Friday. And so, the very first Mishnah in Shkolim tells us that Be'echod Be'ador, on Rosh Chodesh Ador, Mashmi'in ala Shkolim. They would announce to the people that everybody should ready their Shkolim. Shkolim refers to the beginning of Parshas Kisisa, which is what we're going to read from the second Torah, Please God, tomorrow, which is the beginning of Parshas Kisisa, chapter 30 in the book of Shmos, starting with Pasuk 11 through Pasuk 16. We read there about the annual contribution slash tax that each individual had to give 
a half shekel. The purpose of this half shekel, while the Torah does not state this explicitly, the purpose of this half shekel was to pay for all the communal offerings. And so, every morning in the Beis HaMikdash, on every day of the year, without exception, there was the Karban Tomid Shel Shachar, the morning offering constant. Every afternoon was the Karban Tomid Shel Arabayim. Who paid for this? Our Machsis HaShekel. Each person's half shekel was taken. All the monies were brought to the Beis HaMikdash, and there from these monies, the communal offerings, including all Karbanos Musaf, were purchased. Now, while we don't yet have the third Beis HaMikdash, I really believe that our reading, studying, is not only a fulfillment of that which the Navi teaches us, Unishalma Porim Svasenu, that our lips should bring the bullocks, the korbanos, meaning what we cannot do in actuality, because in this case we don't have the third Beis Amigdash. Our reading about it and studying it should be looked upon by Hashem as if we actually did it. But if you ask me, I really believe that this second Sefer Torah, this Shabbos, bespeaks of an incredible optimism that we have. We are so sure that there will be that third Beis HaMikdash, that we will in the future give a Machsis HaShekel, that just as in the past we readied ourselves in practice, now we are reminding ourselves as to what the obligation is and pining and yearning for that opportunity. And indeed, it reflects the incredible optimism of our people. This being Parshas Mishpatim, I'd like to do something a little bit different today in honor of Parshas Mishpatim. Time permitting, I'd like to share with you three different halachic scenarios. I'll be honored if you would discuss all of them any of them at your Shabbos table over this Shabbos. These three cases come from Rabbi Yitzchak Zilberstein Shlita, his third volume of the Harivna. Each of the three volumes of questions and answers, and it's not simply the answer, but in each case, he gives us the halachic sources as to where to find and go about attaining an answer, both in the Talmud and the later sources. And so for case number one, I'll be honored if you discuss this around your Shabbos table. Ruvain 
is the good guy. He's driving his car, Erev Shabbos, and he sees Shimon walking down the road, carrying three shopping bags. He pulls over and says, Shimon, can I give you a lift? Sure thing. Shimon takes his three bags, puts them in the back of the car, and Ruvain takes him and takes him home. Door to door service. Shimon takes two of his bags, thanks Ruvain profusely, and doesn't realize that he's left one bag behind. Shimon then proceeds to his house, gets out of the car, doesn't look in the back, and everybody is well over Shabbos. Shimon, Ruven, excuse me, doesn't use his car until Sunday morning. He opens up the door Sunday morning, Shabbos was a very hot day, and the car wretches. It has a terrible, putrid odor. He looks in the back and he says, Oh no, that bag that was left behind, and he realizes where the bag came from. It came from Shimon, to whom he gave that lift on Friday afternoon, contained at that time frozen chickens. The heat of the day of Shabbos caused, unfortunately, these chickens to defrost, and the terrible odor that emitted therefrom came into the carpet of the car. All the washing didn't help, and now Ruvain has to replace the carpet of his car for a thousand shkalim. Does he have the right to go over to Shimon and say, Shimon, I'm sorry to tell you, you owe me a thousand shkalim for ruining my carpet. Your answer, please. Now, listen carefully. The process is equally exciting. I want to send you, as Rav Zilberstein does, and I'll be honored if you make a note of this, to the Gemara in Babakama 48b. And there, in the Gemara Babakama, we find about a ox who falls into a well which belonged to somebody else and as a result caused, spoiled the water. So in that case there, the Mishnah tells us that the owner of the ox has to pay for the damage that was done. But listen carefully. The Talmud says this is only if the actual damage happened at the time of the falling. Why? Because if it happened later on, the owner of the ox is patur exempt, and the Talmud says because, interestingly, and I quote from the Talmud, have a shore bore. Among the various Laws that we're going to read the Shabbos and Parshas Mishpatim are the laws of a bore, a pit. Now we generally look upon a pit as literally something dug in the ground. But from we see from the Talmud now that if something does damage 
without moving, when it itself is, quote, stationary, it takes on the laws of a boar. And regarding boar, we find v'nafal shama shor ochamor. The rabbis teach us again in Bavakama that it's shor v'loadam and chamor v'lokelim. You're not chayav. You're not guilty if vessels or other things break as a result of the bore, and therefore the water which becomes contaminated, if it becomes contaminated after the fact. That is like Kalim, and therefore the owner of the ox should be Potor. And therefore, perhaps, you could say in this case here, that the one Shimon who left the bag of chickens, at the time that he left it in the back seat of the car, it was doing no damage at all. It was only later on, and Perhaps we should compare this to the odor of the uh, ox that fell into the pit, into the well, and therefore perhaps he should be exempt. I can only tell you that the bottom line is, as found on page 154 in the third volume of Aharivna, Revel Yashiv. Who was the father-in-law of Rav Zilberstein? In this case, here ruled that Shimon, the one who received the ride, is obligated to pay for the carpeting. Why? He's considered Adam Amazek. He's considered a person who does damage. Why? Because from the moment that he brought the chickens into the car, he should have realized the potential damage that this could do, and therefore his forgetting about it is his pshia, his negligence, and therefore he has to pay for the damage. This is case one. The second case that I'd like to share with you is the following interesting one. We have a, once again, a Ruvain and a Shimon. Ruvain wants to have his house painted. Shimon says, I'll come and give you an estimate. He gives him an estimate which is too high for Ruvain. As Shimon was about to leave, he says, wait a minute, I'll tell you what. I'll do the job if you pay me, in this case here, a thousand shkalim, but that painting on the wall... I'll take that for the rest of my payment. Ruvain says, fine. Shimon does an excellent job. Ruvain has the thousand dollars, thousand shkalim, and he's about to give him the painting when Mrs. Ruvain says, excuse me, what do you think you're doing? He says, what do you mean? I'm giving him, she says, no you're not. This painting has sentimental value to me, and so they go to Besden. What do you say? Does Shimon get the painting? And the answer is, no. The question is, does Ruvain get a Misha Pora, which means does he get a curse for not keeping his word? And the Chazonish says, no, he does not, because there's an ones here, something beyond Ruvain's control. In this case here, his wife. Very interesting. The third case I'd like to share with you is exciting. And that is, Ruvain is the caterer. 
Shimon comes and orders 300 portions for a simcha that he's having. Ruvain the caterer comes to the affair earlier and sees an eight-year-old boy crying outside the kitchen. What is it, little boy? Says Ruvain to him. Well, unfortunately, mommy doesn't have food in the house. She sent me here. I went into the kitchen to try to get some food and one of the cleaning help chased me out. Said the caterer, just wait. He goes into the kitchen, he takes ten portions, puts them in two bags, gives it to the boy, the boy goes home. The rest of the evening was perfect. At the end of the simcha, Shimon, the Baal Simcha, sits down with his checkbook and is about to pay Ruvain for the affair. How much do I owe you? Says Ruvain, I got to tell you. I prepared for 300, but listen carefully. Tells him about the boy. I gave out 10 portions. Therefore, I'm only charging you for 290. At that moment, Shimon, the host, doesn't blink. He says, what are you talking about? You're not going to take away my mitzvah. I ordered 300, and I want to pay for 300. I want the mitzvah tzedakah as well. So the first thing I say is, wow, umi ka'amcha Yisrael, who was like this Jewish people? And I say that Jewish people, halavai, should always fight only about this. No, I want the mitzvah. No, I want the mitzvah. I'm not going to charge you 300. Yes, I'm going to pay for 300. Wow. So, what would you say, my friends? Rav Zilberstein ruled with the caterer. Because until the food comes out, it belongs to him. If unfortunately the food would have burnt in the kitchen, the caterer would be responsible. Until it comes out, it's his to do with as he pleases. He's ultimately responsible to provide it. But in this case here, he gave ten of his portions away. Shimon only has to pay for 290. I hope, number one, that you enjoy. I hope, number two, not only that you'll discuss some of these cases, but you realize that our Torah is very applicable, and these laws of Mishpatim are, thank God, applicable today, as the day they were given at Sinai. Shabbat Shalom to all.